And welcome back to 90.7 WCLH, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Hazleton. You are listening to Telling the Untold Stories of Wilkes, podcast number eight. As always, we're talking about um, some topics on campus. And this month, we are talking about Women's History Month. So as part of this series, I have uh, Women's and Gender Studies minors, Brianna Ebish and Morgan Rich in the studio with me today. I'm going to have them get a little background on themselves, and we're going to jump right into the minor. So, if Bree, you want to start? Yeah, hi. Um, Welcome you, back. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if you listen to a couple of episodes back, I was also on this. Um, but my name is Brandi Ebish. I'm a senior communication studies major, and I have minors in English and women and gender studies while I'm here. In terms of involvement, I am an editor, the opinion editor for The Beacon. I'm an anchor and the assistant producer for Wilkes Now. I'm also, I have my own show on WCLH, and I'm also the assistant alternative music director. There's a lot of words here. <laughs> um, I'm an RA on campus. I am pretty involved. I pretty much do everything. I also work on campus for my work study, so I'm here 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm all in, I'm in, yeah, here I am. Beautiful. Miss <laughs> Morgan? So I'm Morgan Rich. I'm a sophomore communication studies major. I have... M- with a concentration in media production and multimedia journalism. And then my minors are creative writing and women's and gender studies. And then so for on campus, I'm a staff writer for the newspaper, The Beacon. And I run audio for Wilkes Now. And then I'm also an honors student. And then I work at the Writing Center and as a note taker. So Ooh. as you can tell, I pick people with a lot of great involvement. <laughs> so... Um, Both of these beautiful women do so many incredible things. But today specifically, we are going to be delving into why they chose the women's and gender studies minor. Um, I'm a women's and gender studies minor as well. Yes. So um, I just want to give a little bit of background on the minor itself before we jump into conversations about it. Because I know there's a lot to cover our bases with. Um, So here at Wilkes University, um, to have a minor, you generally need 18 credits in the field. Uh, For women's and gender studies, you need the capstone course, which is WS301. Um, It's taught by multiple different instructors in any given semester, and um, you also need five elective classes. So what's so unique about this minor is for the elective classes, it can be in the humanities. It can honestly be in certain sciences. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what field it is. There's a lot of history, communication classes. Um, A lot of professors are very open to if you ask them if they'd be willing to teach a WGS course, they tend to be able to pivot their material, especially in the humanities. So... I know um, in the communications department, Dr. Bersenio works very heavily with the women's and gender studies minor. Um, and little preview, she will be on the next okay. episode. Our favorite. <laughs> uh-huh. And Dr. Jennifer Thomas, who is the department chair of the program. Um, so they make it incredibly flexible. So essentially, if a lot of students tend to go into the minor because they realize, oh, I've already taken three, four WGS elective classes, I might as well take the capstone. And um, so it's, it's really... I wouldn't say easy, but you'd be surprised how quickly you can pick up this minor just from taking elective classes in mm-hmm. it. Um, and the capstone class is really eye-opening. Um, Bree and I are in it right now in two different ones. I have Dr. Bresenio and yeah, she has Dr. Dr. Davis. Davis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask before we hop into it, um, what made you both choose this minor? Do you want me to go first again? Yeah. <laughs> um, you pretty much just mentioned it. It was the same scheduling session I had with Dr. Churcher where – I found out I was basically on track to graduate with all four concentrations. So I was just like, sure, I'll pick them up. And I ironically picked English and Women and Gender Studies because all of my classes just happened to overlap. Mm-hmm. And I had 95, like I completed about half the minor by the time I was 
a sophomore by the time I was like a, like a junior. So right. it was it made no sense for me to say, no, I'm not going to get it um, because I ended up taking more classes that furthered it. I would have completed it anyway, obviously, as I'm here. Um, and I kind of had in the back of my mind when I came to Wilkes, but I wasn't anything like I wasn't really thinking about it. And then I found out a lot of my courses overlapped. So I was already earning credit. So I was like, sure, why not? And I really care about it. So it was kind of something on my radar that I was going to do, but it ended up just happening accidentally where I was already earning credit for it. So it was like, why not just pick it up? And here I am. So it worked out in both ways. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So for me, like Brie, like I went into college actually thinking when I came here, I was like, hmm, like maybe I'll do this. This is something I'm interested in. And my parents were like, Go for it if you want to. <laughs> yeah. so, Supportive. But when my I had a really hard first semester here, so it kind of was just like on like I just did not think about it. Like I was not thinking about any minors. And then as the year the years went on, I was just I kept it in the back of my mind. And then I took this semester I have three of Com three oh five, which is rhetoric and women's and feminist and women's studies. And I mm. really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, like, I really want to do this. And then I'm starting my English minor. And I realized, like, looking at my course schedule, like, if I'm on track with everything, I will literally complete all of my electives next semester. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like, this is something I'm really passionate in and really like. So might as well just do it. Plus, I love Dr. Bresenio. She makes things <laughs> fun. She so. makes that. I also think, like, I ended up picking both of them up, like, English and Women gender studies and half the English classes I take end up counting for both of them. Yeah, right. So I was like, why? I'm already doing the work. I might right. as well get it. So, and like, I don't know. I, I've actually, the English classes are tricky. Like I took one, I took like studies in Shakespeare last semester mm-hmm. and that counted, yeah. but I didn't, Shakespeare is not, does not like women. No, um, it's <laughs> interesting because there's a lot of base to cover for women's rhetoric and women's literature. Yeah. And there are some mm-hmm. classes that are very blatant. Like I saw in next semester, um, Heatherson Cavage is teaching um, women in art. Yes. Yeah. Which I was like, that is very much like how, mm-hmm. um, you know, Morgan and I are taking like women's rhetoric studies and public address is kind of like, it's very women focused. Yeah. So that's funny too, because like you would think, but you, you it's like, it's focusing on the opposite side of it. Cause I, Dr. Hamill, which shout out, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love him, but it's more or less like, how is it not focusing on it? And I just, right. I was, we talked about, Hannah and I were talking about on our podcast the other day about how we cannot stand Shakespeare and it's like super overrated, <laughs> but a lot of the English classes have that nice overlap. So I'm someone who likes English already, obviously as a comm major. So it was nice to kind of get the credit for both of them and then right. have it work out because yeah. I cared about it. So I was like, cool, look right. at that. Well, <laughs> I also think people don't understand how much, you know, women's and gender studies, the topics it broaches, mm. like it also focuses on men's issues. Like in our capstone mm-hmm. class the other day, we were talking about how feminism can benefit men and yeah. men's role in it. And I think people don't realize like there is a lot of ground to cover and focusing on women's liberation is incredibly important, but also focusing on, you know, why are we in the spot we are in? Like, yeah. why yeah. are the systems in place the way they are? Cause it sucks, but you have to talk about the literature that's, you know, suppressing and harmful to women. <laughs> like, no, it's yeah. and like language itself. Mm-hmm. is a whole section so yeah it it's i don't say ironic that it overlaps but it's definitely nice as a student because you don't have to do double work to get minors a lot of them even in calm a lot of them overlap so it's nice to kind of get them all done at the same time it really is so, right and i enjoy them all so you know <laughs> yeah so because you know i i'm curious of people's interest in the minor i think it would be really nice if we spent 
a lot of this podcast sort of talking about topics that we discuss in women's and gender studies as we enjoy doing. So um, we're going to we're going to broach a few topics. First and foremost, I want to discuss the stigma around calling yourself a feminist. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious if you two want to talk about how you define feminism for yourself and why you think there may be a controversy surrounding that. That's a big question. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm not going to lie. We're talking about some heavy stuff. So, um, I think, obviously, there's no solid definition. We talk about it all the time. Personally, right. um, you can ask any member of my family, and they know I am, I don't want to say a blatant feminist, but we knew it probably <laughs> right. when I was like five. We knew Same. that. Um, but I think for me, it's just, inequality is a really big word. We can't even really use that in retrospect of this, but just having that even playing grounds um and i think the older i've become i've realized how unfair a lot of the things are that we like just have accepted as society and it's like not to me it's like i don't know you've lived that that way for so long and how many years have passed and no change has really been made um so i know for me i think it's just it's obviously a movement and i don't think i personally don't put a stigma on it i never have i think it's really cool yeah and another word i can't say on here that wouldn't be clean to say but um <laughs> and I think it's like it's a good thing because I'm always the person that I go home and I'm the one educating my family on these things mm -hmm. and I'm like and it's something I honestly think everybody should kind of at least have an intro course on because a lot of this stuff like you said doesn't get talked about outside of an educational or or it's misunderstood yeah. yes it's like looked at but nobody gets it if right. you're not sitting in a classroom understanding it and a lot of my classes which is also going to sound bad in this minor have all been a majority of it has all been as, as female students so it's like mm -hmm. how much it's good because you're like you need to know that too but how much progress can you be make making if who's affected by it is the only one learning about it you know what I mean exactly yeah. so it's hard because you're sort of in your own echo chamber exactly so yeah. I've taken it upon myself which can be a good or bad thing um to make it known in my life to tell people like I'm always like especially with my younger brother sorry Mm -hmm. a good shut up but not really Sorry. um <laughs> when things come up and I'm like don't say that or don't do that and like I try and reframe it so to me I'm looking at it I think just being a feminist is a good thing in my eyes um obviously there's down there's downfalls to it but I'm looking at it as an educational purpose and just being like this is the reality of things and if you don't really focus on how unfair and bad things are you're not going to make progress and I it shouldn't be the way it is everything is today so that's a very long-winded answer. I don't know if anything no, makes but sense. I completely, but and you brought up so many important things in that where, okay, one I think too is what's interesting is we talk about like it's hard sometimes feeling like you have to be the one to educate mm -hmm. people. Yeah. But it also is really incredibly important because you're right. Like we're taking the knowledge that we're benefit of having. Like I always think about it with my family. I'm like. Me? That's they, me. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But yeah. See, like they're the ones who have encouraged me and supported me in higher yeah. education. Mm -hmm. So to me, like I'm reaping the benefits of what they've supported me in doing. I want to use that to the best yeah. of my ability. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's stuff that may contradict them, but. I think, too, like, in a sense of, you know, how we define feminism, I love that Dr. Brasenio always uses that notion of people always talk about splitting the pie evenly and how we want to divvy up the pie, but mm -hmm. the pie's rotten. Mm -hmm. We got to yes. throw the pie yeah. out. The way our systems are set up, it's almost like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lyric. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, wait, <laughs> why you? did that sound it's so right coming out of my mouth? From? 
that's all oh, that bad is, blood i think yeah 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 yeah. Ugh. no but that's exactly what it is thank you taylor swift you will be coming up later again the literal <laughs> um, feminist cycle yeah. <laughs> but i feel like it's one of those things where we keep trying so hard and it's like i think a lot of things just need to be stripped and like mm-hmm. redone yeah and yes, sorry morgan, morgan that was a lot <laughs> we, we all were like talking about other things i'm excited yeah morgan let's hear your perspective on it okay so i grew up i'm very fortunate that i grew up with a lot of strong women in my family oh, my mom was always we love that yes we do <laughs> my mom was always a feminist my grandmother was always a feminist and my great-grandmother on my dad's side she so she married into like an abusive man and like my my grandmother on my dad's side props to her but like she never let him like be around like so he was my grandfather's dad so like my grandmother she like never let my dad around him and so basically when she got married she remarried and she married a man of color at a time where it just was not accepted but she she did not care she did not care you know what good for her yes that's amazing. Yes. So I've grown up with just these strong, like, woman figures in my life. And ever since I was younger, like, I just... Feminism to me is just wanting equal rights. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all it is. And I mean, you can see, I don't ever, like, outwardly look for stigma, but it just <laughs> happens. Like, my one guy friend, love him to death, but, like, he was like, I don't classify myself as a feminist. And I was like, mm. why not? He was like, I mean, obviously I believe in equal rights. And I was like... <laughs> Then that is feminism. yeah, <laughs> literally. Also, I think the idea. I think we've talked about this in class too. Like the idea, the stigma is going to sound really bad, but the stigma basically comes because it's like a women's movement. Mm-hmm. So if men are like, you don't deserve the equal rights, yes. they're going to see the word as feminism because it literally talks about fe- like the word female is in it. So it's right. like it's low key. Like I hate to say it, but it's a further like hatred or like misogyny right, is yeah. literally within the idea of like being a feminist is bad a hundred a hundred percent i think too you also bring up the point of like we talk about how men are scared to be mm. feminized and yes. in, in any the sense power. Exactly. the, the power exactly is and, there, yeah. and there's that stereotype of like feminism is flipping you know patriarchy's head and turning it into a matriarchy no it, it really is about equal rights it's not about being anti-male or mm-hmm, anti-anyone exactly. and like I think what's hard is the history of feminism, you know, there have been moments where it hasn't been inclusive to all people. Yeah. We have not always had intersectional feminism. We have not always, like, it's, it's been very much surrounding, like, white, middle-class women. And I think we're finally getting to a point today where we're broaching so many important topics. But I think that scares people. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. to note, like, because the second, you know, I don't want to say solve, because it's never about solving necessarily. Because, like, there's always, yeah, yeah there's yeah, always going to be people who won't get on board. Yeah. But when you are changing these topics, there's always going to be something new to fight for. Exactly. Like, there's so many issues that, you know, are important. And I think, you know, you both bring up really good points about how, like, at its core, feminism really is simple. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of incredibly important things to discuss within it. But, people are scared of the idea of like radicalizing yeah. and i think that's something you see with every movement too like even if you're looking the most recent one obviously would be the black lives matter movement the fear that people felt and yeah. i literally remember like looking at my mom again this is when i was like don't like we can't don't say certain <laughs> things or don't look at it a certain way but the initial reaction people have is usually what they hold on to and i'm like in a movement where it may seem like it's a it's obviously a bigger picture is more going on yep. like there's a reason it has gotten to that exactly. point yep and like 
now you're only paying attention to it because now it's gotten to that point. Like it's mm-hmm. been an issue forever mm-hmm. and ever, and now just, it's yeah. reaching its head. Like you know what I mean? You had blinders on. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not. And it does have like I think it scares people because like on that level, it's like oh my god, look what's happening. But it's also like if it doesn't happen that way, you're never people. Regular people yeah. are not going to well, pay attention to it. I would beg, which the, is terrible. But right. Mm-hmm. But then I would beg the question of. I think they're scared of losing their privilege because if you mm-hmm. think about it, why is this scaring you? If, if roles were to reverse, would you really be comfortable being in a black man's shoes? Would you really be comfortable exactly. being a woman walking yeah. into an interview for a corporate job? We just talked about in class last week about how like it's all about a p- the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. as soon as you say like as men, like the challenging of masculinity and the reason it's such an issue is because men feel like they're less or they're weak if they're looked at as yes. being feminine. Right. And I go, that's only because society's created that idea. But the idea of feminism being so, quote unquote, bad is because, they, again, like you mentioned, it's it's the idea is going to be completely flipped, which is not it. I just can't <laughs> even wrap my mind around like that's not even what's happening. But the idea of the power being lost and yeah, you're right. The privilege right. is where everything is like if we lose that, like, what do we have? Which is also, I don't know. There's so much there. <laughs> right precisely and it's like it makes me sad because i think men are so scared to label themselves as feminists because mm-hmm. of like the repercussions of that and that's exactly. another part of how we talked about like um i know in my class with dr Bresenio, we were saying how you know we talk a lot about toxic masculinity yes yes and there are a lot of factors that contribute to men not feeling comfortable you know breaking outside of that like mm-hmm. traditional norms but also, I, I think there's a degree to which, like, we just don't, like, as a society, let people feel comfortable being themselves. Mm-hmm. It's why mm-hmm. there's constantly issues That's of so people true. in the LGBTQ community. Like, and what's hard, too, is, like, there are a lot of people who you can claim to be an ally and you can educate yourself all you want. But, like, experience is a very important thing to learn. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I know for me, I feel incredibly educated, but, like, I still am terrified of ever hurting someone's feelings or doing something wrong without mm-hmm. even realizing yeah. it because that can happen unintentionally. And this is like broaching a totally different topic, but I also think like as we're talking about like issues of feminism, like it incorporates all people mm-hmm. and like it how it in- impacts them because it, it just affects so many, it's so pervasive to different issues in society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I appreciate you both sharing that your, <laughs> your course. personal beliefs yes. in feminism. So, um, I'm curious. We were talking. I keep saying we were talking about this in class, but there's just so many. This <laughs> it's is like about I mean. everything in class. Exactly. Yeah, you need Literally. to become a WGS minor because we get to have really fun conversations. But was there ever a moment? I know Morgan, you talked about like you were lucky enough to from like childhood. You had all yeah. these great figures in your life. But do you ever have moments of you're like, aha, yes, this is why I'm a feminist. Yes, for sure. I I think my aha moment was when I'm actually writing my paper about this in the women's and gender studies class I'm taking with Lindsay. Um, so basically, <laughs> we have to analyze a certain artifact. And I am analyzing Emma Watson's UN speech, where she basically talked about how in order to have equal rights, we need men to participate. Because how can you only how can you get equal rights when you're only talking to one side? Mm-hmm. Right which is a side that's affected. Um, And you 
my moment, I was really young. So I was always I was always a Harry Potter fan and I always mm-hmm. looked up to her because she was always so outspoken about it even so young. She gave the speech at the UN when she was only 23. This was a big deal. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Happened. She mentioned it earlier and I go, Morgan, that is the best speech to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I it's can still like, talked yeah. about today. Yeah. So I I watched it and immediately I can't remember how old I was. I, was, I had to be like 10 or 11, but immediately I saw that and I was like, "Oh my god." Mm-hmm. Like the moment just clicked. I was like, I want to be like her. Like, I love her. I love this speech. Like, she's so true. And I think it just goes to show, I mean, like, how lucky, like, we are in this day and age mm-hmm. that women like this can speak up mm-hmm. yeah. without necessarily facing a lot of mm-hmm. repercussions right. for it. Like, I never grew up thinking that, like, I was going to get harassed for being a feminist. It was just something I always kind of embraced. And I think, like, Emma Watson really helped me along and really helped me embrace that because like if she can do it I can do it so young right and you were at a crucial age in your life to get to see that Mm -hmm. like not only the the greatness that she gets to speak on that platform but that think of the amount of young men and women who are listening to her Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. do you want me to go now yeah (laughs) I have two I think and the one I actually just thought of the other day when I was thinking about this podcast so backstory when i was in third grade we used to have this thing called wax like the wax museum i don't know yeah, if you're, yeah. so yes. we like used to pick like the whole idea was your families used to come in like you would pick a historical figure and you would write a speech there'd be a little button in front of you and everybody that came by would press your button you'd read the speech whatever and you had little cutouts and i did not realize this the other day because i was thinking like when did this start for me because i've always been that kid that like i never let anything slide past me and i was always someone like morgan mentioned where i was aware of it when i was little but i was like it doesn't yeah. It's not going to affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose Amelia Earhart Aww. as my person because I thought it was super cool that she was like the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean and she was going to do the whole world and whatever. She was like the first woman to do all that. Right. And a lot of my, it's, I guess a little like I, not that everybody knows, like everybody knows who she is, but in relation to a lot of people that my friends had picked at that time, it was a little off the charts because like, you know, she disappeared. No one has, no one has any idea what happened to her, but um it was so cool because I got to like go to school in like a leather jacket so all my friends are dressed up as like princess diana or like first ladies or whatever and they all picked and I was just like chilling there with my little like I have a picture it was so fun oh my but god I need it we I need thought of that it. and I was like that was probably the first moment where I was like I'm gonna pick someone who like she was a pioneer in what she was doing mm-hmm. and she didn't care if anybody doubted her and I thought that was so cool right. so like third third yeah. grade me um so that's one of them and then second Kind of going off of what Morgan said about Emma Watson, I had a similar moment, we'll get to this again, with Taylor Swift oh, when I was yes. like eight. Me too, me too. Um, because I was always that person where I grew up on her music when I was like six. I It's been my life forever. Um, but even when I was in elementary and middle school when everybody was like, oh my God, she has so many boyfriends and whatever. She writes about all these songs about how crying and she broke up with these boys. I was like, okay, so what? And that yep. was kind of my like, yeah. she's doing it. She's successful. And like, she's proving that's fine okay and that for right. some reason to me was like if she, like that's a normal thing it's normal experience and I think it's also interesting for me because I've kind of grown up and watched her grow in a career but for someone I was like eight mm-hmm. I thought that was like revolutionary because I was like she right. doesn't care what yeah. you think and she's still doing it and I know those two are just like I don't want to say pinpoints but if I had to go back that far those would definitely yeah. be like wow I I at the beginnings of that you know what I mean so mm-hmm. and I love yes. that you both brought up <laughs> forms of representation and like female role mo- models because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i remember because i grew up wait like, do you have one yeah so oh. i when i was um 
when I was in high school, I actually, we're already getting like fairly political here, so I'm just going to be completely <laughs> okay. honest. I was in pro-life club. I grew up like- You had a club? Catholic, yeah, we did. Well, oh, wait, you went to Catholic school. So yeah, I went sense. to Catholic school. I was so like, you had sense. a pro-life club? What right, kind of so club is that? <laughs> I wasn't really one to like, this sounds bad. I didn't have a lot of individual thinking the way I do now. Like no, I sort sense. of, yeah, I was just one. I joined yeah. things my friends did, whatever. But when I sort of was at that critical age of like 16, 17, I really started questioning the beliefs I had grown up with. And I remember, so I'm a noisy woman. Um, anyone who knows <laughs> I think me, we all are. Yeah. <laughs> We're all this podcast. Lens. No one's so quiet yeah. <laughs> anyone who knows me, if I walk in a room, you're probably going to know what's happening. And to me, I remember when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez oh, yes. first yes. came mm-hmm. to Congress and I'd never seen so much backlash mm-hmm. for an outspoken woman. And you know what? Take her politics or leave them, whatever you feel. But I feel like people came for the core of the fact that she was a woman who was going to speak out about issues and she wasn't going to back down from yeah. critics. Yeah. And to me, I had a moment of like, I think my whole life, like I fear criticism from people mm-hmm. and to be a woman and to be I don't want to say like like that negative people make bossy like such a negative perception no, but yeah like, but yeah. a lot of times the women you call bossy just know how to take initiative mm-hmm. and I think what was crazy to me is I, I like how we're talking about like role models like you know she she's not like this absolute groundbreaking figure necessarily for the rest of my life but she was somebody who I I saw and was like she cares about what she's talking about and people hate her for it mm-hmm. I'm gonna care about what I'm talking about and, and if people hate me for it that's how you know you're good when people hate you for what you're doing Mm -hmm. Uh like 100 and i love maybe that's why i had those moments but i was like if someone if people are that outspoken and that have that much hatred for just you as a person doing what you're doing like you're doing it right Uh uh-huh and it's always it's always with for a woman like that Mm -hmm. but it like it's terrible like if you're on the receiving end of all those comments and things like that but honestly it's proof that you're doing what you're set out to do intentionally or unintentionally and that's like it's so bad that you have to get hate to make it be proven. But it's like you're obviously you're doing what you're set out to do. Mm-hmm. And it's making a movement. If you want it to or not, it's still making a difference. Right. And if you're going to try and make a splash in the water and expect everyone to love what you're going to say, it, what you're saying isn't worth it. Also, mm-hmm. my favorite double standard is that when a woman like that is outspoken, it's a big deal. But a man can absolutely <gasps> yep. flip it's, yep. and it's totally yep. fine. It's taking initiative. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. being like passionate. Yep. But for a woman, it's yeah. boss. Yeah. Emma, Emma Watson talks about that. She basically talks about how when she was younger, she got called bossy because she wanted to be the director of the plays. And now she's like the Look best. Look at you now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and this is why there you all like I think people think, oh, OK, well, back to what we said about feminism and the stereotypes around it. People are like, well, you can have your beliefs and want things in a more patient, appropriate manner. Things don't get solved that way. Exactly. Look back at American history. Why do you think, you know, men have started wars? Um, <laughs> Literally. Not, not saying like, because I'm a pacifist myself. I'm just saying like, if you want something, you're going to have to get it. In However you don't, get it. Yeah. 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 Hell or high water in a sense of like, people aren't going to always love what you have to say, mm-hmm. but y- you have to say it anyways. Yeah. So I, I and also... In speaking in the realm of um, how Morgan brought up her artifact of Emma Watson's speech, um, I had the benefit of taking communication criticism with Miss Bree here. Yes, and with Dr. Brisenio. We yes. can't mention, yes. cannot mention her. So for those who don't know or who aren't um, in the communications realm, um, rhetorical criticism, essentially in Foss's version, you take an artifact, you create a research question surrounding it, 
and you sort of implement your analysis from there. So in this class, we all picked uh, speeches or artifacts that we found of importance, and Brie actually <laughs> chose the song The Man by Taylor Swift. I did. So she's actually presenting it at the Eastern Communication Association Conference mm-hmm. in April. So Brie, I would love it if you could just give us a little background on not only why you chose this, but your analysis and what you found from this song. Yeah, so um, we took this class, what, two years ago now? Like spring of 2021? Like a year ago. Yeah, yes, it was a year ago. So um, the song itself wasn't even two years old, but it was one I just loved um, coming into it. And I had always, I kind of took that class with the idea of like, I'm going to do something Taylor Swift related because there's a million things you could do that she said and has made a song that would be relevant Mm -hmm. um that's the most obvious one and i basically centered the analysis on the fact that um around her herself but the song that if it's a good method of delivering information or bringing attention to social issues such as um i focus on the double standard between men and women because the whole song talks about how if she was a man every standard that's been put on her basically wouldn't exist and everything so I focus on the, the lyrics itself and the music video because in the music video, um, she actually does like a whole cosplay thing and yeah. she like is like a literal CEO man and does all these things mm-hmm. that men are like praised for and it's obnoxious. But um, I loved it. And as I, I kind of came in being like, this is going to be something I, I love doing because I know when I pick a topic I'm passionate about, I'm going to love writing it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really just analyzed. I pulled out like everything that she said in the lyrics and compared it to societal standards and how they're viewed today. And then how she kind of brought that to life in the music video. And yeah, that was the whole project. I loved it. It was my favorite thing ever. I've ever I think I've ever done so far in my college career, but mm-hmm. that's pretty much the basic of it. So Right. And I like the um, sort of turning the tables of like music is something so subconscious to us. Like we mm-hmm. just listen to music mm-hmm. and sometimes we forget about the lyrics because I mean, think about how much music out there degrades women. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this song, too, was so powerful in that, I mean, anything Taylor Swift writes is obviously very, you know, women empowerment. Yeah. But there's always that criticism of, like, will women write about getting their heart broken by men? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, have you listened to any song by Literally. Men? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and this isn't, I think, what I love. I'm a very big music fan. It's, like, my one of my top things that I love. But... Um, there's a lot of songs out there that talk about social issues like um, Tyler's Cambino's This Is America, yeah. like that alone. Powerful. Um, there's a Beyonce song. Oh, uh, Run the World, parentheses Girls. Girls. Yeah, <laughs> um, that song alone. Like there's so many of them that are out there and exist, but I mean, people know what they are and they, they think about them, but nobody's like, wow, what is this teaching me? But like it's kind of instilling. And my whole argument was like you hear the song and you know what she's arguing about. Because the lyrics don't hide it. It's pretty mm-hmm, obvious yeah. what you're talking about. Um, but I'm someone that's like, as someone, most of her fan base is either my age, our age, whatever, younger than us. Um, that's making an, a statement to them listening yep. to that song yeah. and like watching the music video. You get that. And I think that's mm-hmm. such a powerful, like, she's not outwardly saying it, but there's a lot of things that I tied it into about how her masters were sold and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much that that's kind of, teaching without even being it being outwardly said exactly you know it's like passive learning and i was like that says so much about it's a literal song you can hear on the radio or come on shuffle but there's so much she's telling you with that that's important and she's experienced herself that obviously needs to be paid attention to Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't know it resonated with me as my my favorite my mom always loved that about her my mom would always (laughs) tell me so i mean i have an advantage that i have an older sister who's nine years older than me so she was like a little older when Taylor Swift first came out. So she introduced me to the music. Ooh. And my mom was always like, so I 
I love the fact that one, I was born in the same hospital as Taylor Swift. <gasps> first of all, iconic. Oh my goodness, my biggest flex. Um, <laughs> second of all, she her hometown house is an hour away from me because mm-hmm. she grew up an hour away the from Christmas me. Christmas tree farm. <laughs> so my mom would always tell me how she absolutely loves the fact that Taylor Swift was always a strong woman and always woman and always implemented that into her music. And I remember mm. the first concert I went to of hers, I had to be, it was when Red first came out, like the <gasps> first Red album. Oh, I went so to that cool. concert. And she surprised everyone by bringing out all these strong women. And my mom was like, ever since that moment, like I've just, ah. I've looked up to her. Yeah. And mm. my mom was like, I'm really glad you have someone like that in the music industry to like look up to who isn't afraid of the backlash that people give mm-hmm. her. Right. And I think too, there's a lot to say about like women on power platforms because you don't necessarily think of musicians as being like influencers and like the way people think of like politicians Mm -hmm. but to be honest with you i would argue that's more impactful because not Mm -hmm. everyone follows politics majority people follow follow pop culture yeah and they know what's happening and even if you don't follow like you may not follow taylor swift but you like i don't care if you're a fan you knew when red taylor's version dropped Uh you all knew you (laughs) all knew i wrote a big article yes like you were so aware um i know the most recent example is harry's um Harry Styles' album announcement, like, mm-hmm. you don't have to be a fan, but you're going to know that was announced. So you, you yeah, are aware of it. Yeah, people posting about so, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with this situation especially, it was she speaks out when it matters. And I think um, when everything happened with her masters, everybody was kind of like, oh, my God, because that's something we also aren't exposed to where it's like the powerful man runs the music industry. And she's, like, arguably the most, one of the most powerful artists. And right. she still is, like not respected in that way for so many things and the way that era of her music was shaped around that and how Mm -hmm. it influenced things it was just i know it was like sticking the finger to scooter braun because she should have and it was so good i don't know i just was like that's mm -hmm. showing kids and girls and even someone like me that not to take that from anybody you know no and even to what you said brie earlier about how like we grew up with a lot of these musicians think about do you guys remember when kesha released (gasps) praying yes Yes. about like the like sexual abuse and harassment of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. her um, i forget the producer's name yeah but it's not important anyway yeah yeah forget him <laughs> kesha matters Only kesha, yeah. <laughs> but i remember when that came out it's sort of like this feeling of you know no matter what room you walk into or where you go you probably will be around somebody who mm-hmm. is has experienced um Mm-hmm. gender-based violence or some sort of harassment yeah. or discrimination and it's horrible but i was so grateful that she was so outspoken about it and so many other artists or mm-hmm. actors think about like all the disney channel actors who have come oh, out yeah. like dan schneider with nickelodeon like mm-hmm. as we got older i think people got so much more comfortable broaching these topics that we would have never known about unless people spoke out. Yeah. And I think also it shows like you can be the most influential person in the world, but if you're a woman, you're still going to be experiencing things like mm-hmm. us as mm-hmm. indi- regular individuals are. Um, mm-hmm. So it really shows like, even though you have that power, nothing changes, which is a problem in itself, but it brings like, I never would have known. We never would have known any of that if they didn't say it. Exactly. So, right. you know what I mean? No, hundred percent. I, I think it's interesting because last night, um, our friend Hannah and I went to go see this movie X. Um, very inappropriate. So at your discretion, if you want to go see it, but it's a great <laughs> movie. It's a, a thriller. And in the movie, they're talking about. Um, so this is like 1979. So like Ooh. women are not as, you know, 
I don't want to say is respected because you know depends no, on but the person, I mean, but, yeah. um, society doesn't respect them, right? And these are young women working in the porn industry. Oh, and the one girl, the reason it's called X is because they say the one girl has an X factor, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and she's like this really young, pretty girl, like you know. It's everything to do with that industry, and they're talking about it because the one young girl who's helping film it, you could tell she's kind of judgmental of what they're doing. Of course. And they're talking the one night sitting with her, and they're saying, like, I want to end up better than where I started. And Mm -hmm. she was like, anything you do is about, like, I I think, so I I had a spot in here for us to talk about some hot button topics, and I was just waiting to see if something would come up. (laughs) So follow me, if you will. I wanted to discuss a little bit with this area of, how people, you know, sort of judge women in those industries when I think there is a degree to which sex, like, liberation is a thing. Mm-hmm. And people have gotten so much more comfortable talking about that, especially because, you know, there's that idea of women being pure, you know, like the cult yes. of true womanhood, yeah. which we've yes. talked about in class. And I really liked how they, they took this of here's women in the porn industry Coming from probably families with little to no privileges or not mm-hmm. much money, and they're making a life for themselves, and they're liberated by this. Mm-hmm. They're not feeling like they were brought in because let's be clear, there's a very distinct difference between, you know, chosen willingly, sex work, yeah, and, yeah willingly yeah, consent and not, here. Yeah. But I think like the way we view stuff like that, like I think instead of eliminating areas where we have typically judged or stereotyped women, I think it's nice to see them take it back. It's like reverse mm-hmm. discourse, like yeah. um, how I would be so much more comfortable hearing a woman see the b- say the B word. Mm-hmm. But if yes. I heard a man say it, that's it. The, <laughs> that's the end. No, <laughs> like I just I think I'm interested um, what your opinions are in the sense of women's bodily autonomy. And we could take this anywhere and you could discuss whatever you're comfortable with. We don't have to. I think the first thing that comes to mind, we just covered this in class. Maybe that's why. But the idea that. Maybe as a country or as society as, as a whole, um, we don't view sex as an action the same way we used to, um, and it's kind of ironic because we're like, cool, it's casual, whatever. But our education system does not reflect that at all, and society also does not reflect that at all because mm-hmm. there's still double double standards between mm-hmm. if a man sleeps around and if a woman sleeps around, <gasps> the ramifications yes. of that, yep. whatever, whatever. Um, even I think it's ridiculous. It goes as far as like if you're a woman in a power position, like in your career, they'll be like, oh, you slept your way there. Like you can't like, there's so much to it. So I think it's, it's a good, I think I agree. It's a good thing that we've kind of moved past the idea of like, it's not taboo in a sense. Like Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a normal thing. It happens, but that hasn't been reflected in the way we're still viewing it, particularly how it's put upon women. Right. And think about the language we coined with that too. Like Mm -hmm. a man who sleeps around is a player. Also, yes. And then like the the way it's like um, that that language is mirrored off of a woman. Like you can say, can I say the W W word on here? I would think so. Okay. Well, whatever. I'm just like, can I say that? I I think, yeah. (laughs) Um, So like if you refer to a a woman as a whore, it's like the man whore. Like you Mm -hmm. can't even come up with a new word, quote unquote. It's just based off of that idea it starts right. with a woman you know what i mean so it's like so i think we're getting somewhere it's just not it's physically getting somewhere but we're not reflecting that on how it's looked upon if that right. makes any sense so well i even think too like we were discussing um women's bodily autonomy too in the sense of like abortion and well, yeah the one have. line in the book from bell hooks um she says you can be a feminist 
and still decide that abortion is not the right decision for you, but mm-hmm. support other women's yes. choice whether to do so or not to do yeah. so. Because I think people have this distinction of like, if people are liberated and have all this free choice, it affects me and what I do. But the whole point of women's choice is that you could choose to do or not to do something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean like if you don't personally want to, if if you find that you want to save yourself for marriage, Mm -hmm. you can do that, but support women who are pro sex, like safe sex, consensual sex. I think there's this notion of like people don't understand that your beliefs do not have to reflect onto other people. Yeah. I also think this is going to maybe sound bad, but in the, on the conversation topic of abortion, um, number one, it mind boggles my mind that the government has to control what I do with my body, like whatever. Um, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yeah, Like especially, yeah, especially, um, but the idea, I think we've talked about this once where, um, you're talking about title nine where like, Mm -hmm. I, this is not every man and I can't speak for all of them, but, it has to be rationalized being like if that was your daughter or yes, if that was yes. your if they if, if they she was raped and had, you know what i mean like women. and i was like but even if it's not in a, a crucial like a really bad circumstance like that it was like that doesn't it doesn't matter like that's still not up to you no nope. you know and i think mm-hmm. it's just wild that we have to kind of like fight for our rights through the view of like if you knew a woman who went through that or had this decision like no they no, have a decision anyway. Be, That's yeah, it. And we should be all held at the same standards. Yeah. Every single one of us has the same capacity to think for ourselves and to respect women and men and, mm-hmm. and non-binary yes. people. Like we, I, I don't know where we got to this idea that some people should be babied through things and some people shouldn't. <laughs> no, I agree. To be blunt about it. But like, it just, it makes me sad because, you know, I personally, what somebody chooses to do is none of my business. Yeah, exactly. And and I agree that I think how much, like think about the founding of our country. There was supposed to be a separation of church and state. Yes. Yeah, and look at look how yes. that's going today. No, and like, look how it's going. I said, I don't know, I think it, I don't think it was the class I had with you, Morgan. It might have been my other class that we were talking about um, the new law. So I did a paper on the Texas abortion law, which was oh, six the weeks. new one. Yes, yeah. Yes. But there was one that I want to say Missouri, wherever it was that it's I like don't a million other states. Yeah. Form. Don't quote me. I'm sure we could look up. Statistics <laughs> it's one on of this. them. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the states that enacted a bill that would essentially mean that if a woman was pregnant and the pregnancy was threatening her life, she still oh. could not abort the baby, yes. which like, I wish you could see me squeezing my fist right now. See, like, yeah. I don't understand. This is another thing where it's like, We've talked about this a lot in my um, capstone class about how it doesn't matter what you do or who you are as a woman. Um, motherhood is exceeds all of that. So mm-hmm. even if it's like your life versus the baby who may not even survive or be healthy if they even make it to mm-hmm. term, mm-hmm. they're going to be like the child. Yep. And another argument I have, this is, I'm getting into this now. <laughs> no, like, ah. please go. But the idea of like that's an option and they'll, they will – either force you to carry the baby to term yes. or make yeah. it unhealthy for you, whatever. But as soon as that baby's born, this country doesn't care. No. And our, it could be, it could be foster care system. Exactly. And it could be system. like, you don't want the child, which is totally fine. It could be unhealthy for you. And like, it's mm-hmm. risking your life. But like, honestly, once that child is born, there's no good system in place. So like, no. what mm-hmm. is the point? 
or like, of doing that. You know what I mean? Or saying like, oh, well, you could carry to term and then just give the baby up for adoption. Like, yeah. Besides yeah. the adoption system not being, you know, ideal. Also, you're putting that on the woman to carry a baby to term for nine months and not exactly. consider exactly. their life choices. And my thing that I said in class when um, one of my classmates brought up that bill, I said, can we just state the obvious that saying that it doesn't matter if the pregnant woman's life is in danger is not inherently pro-life. No, it's not. It's really not. You're going to sit here and say you are pro-life for a baby's life. And then to say that you don't support the woman, that it doesn't matter if she dies. She's lived a life. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like it totally overlooks who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and also that goes back to the conversation about like, if you, like if say you're our age and you have a legitimate reason to get your tube side, they're like, don't, cause you could have kids. I'm like, but if I don't want kids or if I have a medically sound excuse to do that, it, it just, it boggles my yeah. mind. Like it really does. This, I this can't. reminds me of the fact, I am a firm believer that everyone needs to read The Handmaid's Tale, at least <gasps> once in their We're life. reading it in my class, in our capstone. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm just a firm believer. I'm so excited that Margaret Atwood is coming here me too. in April That's because be I was like one of the first people to sign up for it as soon I oh, love I her. Do I'm doing my book. I'm doing a book report on it and like an analysis of it for my English 120 class. And I'm Ooh. so excited. But basically the thing that got me when I read the book, I mean, I was already like a feminist and like pro-choice when I read it. But at the end of the book, she tells you that she everything she wrote in this book has happened. Mm-hmm. She didn't base it off of events that didn't happen. This yeah. isn't like a possibility. She based it off of events that have actually happened. And I think when people read that, they kind of get the, oh, my God moment. Yeah, that not good feeling. Yeah, Yeah. it switches things for people. And I think that's really important. Like, you choose to read the book and you still hold true to your beliefs, go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, No one's going to judge you. But I think that's an important book to read and really just make yourself aware of, like, if you stand for something – this could actually be what you're standing for. Mm -hmm. It's just like the hidden meanings of the book. Like she just really does a good job explaining things. Right. And I think Morgan, you bring up a phenomenal point of, I think a lot of times people don't understand because of ignorance and they don't, I, I will say there probably is a lot of people who don't have, you know, the privilege of academia. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the reason the three of us are so educated on this is because not only did we choose, let's be clear, like we could have gone to this university (laughs) and stayed ignorant. True. But we chose to become educated on these topics. And, you know, thank goodness for the internet and for so many things. I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. yes, with the internet, you broach, you know, the legitimacy of news sources. But I think a lot of people just don't want to educate themselves on that Mm -hmm. and i think i'm grateful to know a lot of people who would be super open to reading the handmaid's tale and who are super open to talking about women's issues and i think what's hard is you can't force people to care the way you do and i think that'll be for my my forever feminist struggle yeah (laughs) you know you can't change all people but for the people who do care to know being open and encouraging about hey here's what made me really open my eyes i think that's really powerful like what if just one person heard you say that and decided to read that and Mm -hmm. it's like morgan like i really am like like that really changed a lot of my perspectives yeah i also think in terms of like you mentioned the ignorance and not wanting to change their beliefs that is such a generation in my opinion i really think it's a generational thing Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we i guess we do have the benefit of the internet which can be a good and bad thing um but like 
it's so there's such a stark difference between me and again getting the education and learning these things and then I have to have like legitimate conversations with my parents where it's like how do you not see it in the Mm -hmm. same way I do and it's like and I and I've I've always argued we've grown up in a really unstable world considering Mm -hmm. how things have been but it just is such it's, it's something I'm definitely like I will approach the topic but I've gotten to the point where if you don't if you're not willing to compromise and see it like this I'm not going to change your idea of it but it's something that I don't have that problem like us like me and someone my age or even with my younger brother it's someone that is always a older someone who's older than me yes and it's Mm -hmm. that's such a it's such a generational thing because like you I can learn again I can learn all it is and I can go and change the future for Mm -hmm. my future kids or whoever is coming after whatever but we still have to live in that era mm-hmm. where, like, it's being pushed on us from a generation who doesn't yeah. see know, it the same way. I know. So I went to the John Mulaney. John, <gasps> I yes, went and saw John Mulaney, John Mulaney the other week. And I walked in. And, of course, like, it was just this huge thing. So obviously you have to go through, like, security detectors and everything. And, like, on my keychain I have, like, the alarm system that if someone tries to, like, lay a hand oh, on no. you or anything, like, mm-hmm. it goes off. And one of the guys looked at it. And he was like, this can't hurt someone, right? And I was like, no. Like, you know, it's just an alarm system. And all he had to do was look at me, and he goes, I understand. And he had to be in, like, his 60s. And I was like, that, like, wow. I was, was like, I was like yeah, one, wow. that's so sweet because you believed me. Yeah. Right? And how hard, was it was like, two words he had to say. I was like, yeah. wow. Like, you don't know how much of an impact you made on me by just saying, like, oh, yeah, like, two I understand, I get it. And then I was just explaining to him, I was like, yeah, I go to college at Wilkes, so, like, I, I like to have it handy. And he was, like, I totally understand. Like, I have two daughters. And I was, like, like, yeah, more people like him. Right. Like, and yes. I, I think it's, like, you can come from a place of having differing beliefs. But I think what makes a big difference is how open-minded you are. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I have a lot of friends who have differing belief systems from me. But I like the kind of people who can have open conversations with me. Listen, not every conversation you're going to have, you're going to change someone's mind. Yeah, yeah. That's just not going to happen because I think it comes back to the core of nobody likes to feel like they were wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's like, I think it's a gen- like a, a general idea, but it's such an Americanized idea. Like being yeah. stubborn and yes, being like, my way is the right way. You can say all you want, but especially in the last couple of years, it's become so polarized that you can say anything and nobody it could start a whole argument when you're just trying to have a, a normal conversation so it's like you can only do so much you know what i mean and that right. puts the weight on you especially if you want to try yeah. and be like this one person means a lot i want to change their mind but i've gotten to the point where i'm like as long as you i guess are civil and understand where i'm coming from because i think another problem is you can't ignore these issues like mm-hmm. they're all prominent and you can't live mm-hmm. in the world today without knowing they exist right. and it's all about you choosing to pay attention to them and you choosing what matters to you but I think it's an idea like you can't it's so hard to have a conversation with someone who yes. you know is opposite of you yeah. and have it be yes. like educational or civil without it becoming a whole yes, thing that, that reminds me of a conversation I have with my friend I guess this could venture into another hot button topic, <laughs> topic. let's go let's go yeah. so Basically, I saw this thing on TikTok. So I'm really open about the fact that I love fandom culture. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yes. The Hunger Games movies came oh. out 10 years ago today. And uh, Lindsay knows where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Lindsay knows where I'm going with this. So Hunger Games movies came out 10 years ago today. And I'm very thankful for them because they introduced me to fandom culture. And I'm yeah. not terrified to say that. I'm, no. your typical, mm-hmm. I'm your typical teenage girl who likes fandom culture. And Literally, there's nothing wrong with that. Me too. And 
So basically, I was having a conversation with my friend back home. And I was basically telling him, I was like, why are people who are into sports... I knew this is going to come into ah! sports. Why are people who are into sports? They don't get judged for that. <laughs> but as soon as you are too passionate about a movie, people are like, oh, well, you need to tone it yes. down. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm actually writing yeah. a paper on this for my stereotypes really? class. <laughs> yes, I was, I was going to write about... I had two ideas where it was like the stark difference between if you're like a fangirl, quote unquote, yes. um, because I had a similar experience with my One Direction years. Um, and also like the idea of being a fangirl and being like men in sports. Um, but on the flip side of that, cause I know I'm, I'm a sports fan. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I also like the idea of how, as soon as a woman is into sports, it becomes about how attractive oh. the players are yep, and you're only sure. watching cause they're attractive. Yeah. And I'm like, it makes me so mad. So there's, I think there's two sides sure. of it, but it's interesting yeah. cause there's, I, that's I mean, the thing. I had an instance once where I was talking to these people about it. And they basically looked at me and they were like, well, you don't understand. You're not a sports fan. And I was like, my hobbies, <laughs> my hobbies are not any less important than yours. No, I agree. Because I'm into Just because a movie not. or a book rather mm-hmm. than sports. And I would rather be into something niche than something everyone exactly. Yeah, I agree. It I teaches, agree. So I know like for me personally, like being in the Harry Potter, I learn a lot more than just like that series. Like I know mm-hmm. Latin. Like I know parts of Latin because of watching this series. Like I know like hidden meanings behind stuff i know exactly. that like the word draco means dragon like i know important right. things and like medical terms like i know them because of right. these movies yeah and besides like blatant knowledge can we also note um how reading and writing fan fiction can make you a more empathetic yes. person yes. yes it makes you have to understand the world from other characters viewpoints mm-hmm. it teaches writing skills it teaches yes. critical thinking reading skills there's so many things, and, and we can mm-hmm. go on and on about think, how important this is. Didn't we talk about how, I think in our podcast with Hannah, mm-hmm. we are talking about reading and books, um, how I, I wouldn't publicly, like, announce to people I'm reading fan fiction, but it's never looked, like, it is a legitimate form of writing, and I literally, yes. if someone writes it, I'm like, you're an author. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for free, number one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's usually better than any novel I've ever read. But the idea of, like, if I were to walk out of the studio right now and go into the bubble and be like, guys, guess what this fan fiction I read, I read, like everybody's gonna be like, what the heck is wrong yeah, with you? Like, right. why are you reading that? You Whereas know? if like Martel walked into the bubble and was like, look at this football game. Like, yeah, like, literally Whoa. like, oh, I won like $200 betting on this, uh, whatever. I'm yeah. like, there's no difference. It's right. just yeah. the thing people, that exists. People just don't necessarily how, realize how beneficial it is. So like, I've been a writer my entire life and yeah. I'll be open and honest with the fact that I've written tons of fan fiction in my entire mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. because it's something I'm passionate about and right now, I'm in my honors through 98 class, Creative Writing with Jen McLaughlin, who is a New York Times bestselling author. Uh-huh. Yes. She's written over 50 books. And she tells me all the time, she's changed my perspective. And she looks at all my stuff and she's like, I can tell you've written before and it's beautiful. And like, <gasps> I have told her, I'm pretty sure like I've, I'm considering now like a job as like an author mm-hmm. and like in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. And she is encouraging me because she and was like. And what if you never broached that? And because yeah. You, yeah. I, I was self-taught. And because mm-hmm. I've done all this stuff, it's making me realize what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And, yeah. And you should absolutely never be apologetic for the things you enjoy. I know it I sounds agree. like we're kind of crapping exactly. on some other things, but. No, but it exists. Exactly. It but my yeah. thing is, like, if you're going to say that one hobby is more or less legitimate, mm-hmm. nobody should ever, as long as you're not hurting mm-hmm. anyone else or yourself. It's more feminized than another exactly. Baby. Exactly. And, and that, you could take that with anything. Like any hobby that people have like found is feminizing is like people just see it as less legitimate. And my thing is like every like thing that you can possibly enjoy doing 
it does not have to inherently be productive Mm -hmm. but if you enjoy it that it's it's inherently good yeah like i and what is it we were talking on someone on tiktok too said why the and like the guys who are into the fantasy stuff they automatically get praised they're automatically cool or um Mm -hmm. the stereotype i would say that goes that are like they're like the nerds yes like the nerdy ones Mm -hmm. so it like kind of already forces them to be different than I guess your stereotypical guy, right. because like yeah. I also think again the whole thing about, the whole thing about sports is like amazing to me, but if you're a, a male and you don't like sports, you're automatically like exactly. ostracized. You're like you don't like you don't like sports. Like oh my god, and and it's amazing because there's so many even within the like the male like the male gender, mm-hmm. you can be like you can have a different hobby and it's still looked upon as like that's something I don't want to say it's something a woman would do but it's a little right. more niche or it's like yeah. a well then it's like oh you're gay yeah mm-hmm. which again you know but I think Upsetting. there's so many yeah like and if you're a guy who's into fashion and wants to like yeah. look nice you're automatically, automatically like or, oh yeah feminine that, or gay or this is my pet peeve men who care about their hygiene yes are seen as yes. feminine yeah <laughs> it's literal hygiene I literally I also think it's funny like I'm someone full disclosure I love a man who can draw who can dress nice Yes, you, if too, you it's dress just attractive nice, to care yes, about your appearance. I exactly. am like 100%. You have me if you look good every single and like you don't, even if it's like, I don't know, put together in some way. But it, it amazes me where it's like you can see a man, like the, I guess the idea is like you would see someone who is dressed really nice mm-hmm. and you'd be like, oh my God, he's gay. Like well, what? Also, can we add another, that? another like double standard of men who dress up nice? It's meant for, you know, compliment mm-hmm. great they take mm-hmm. care of themselves too in some circumstances when it's, like when it's not a bad stereotype yeah and then also for women when women don't wear makeup or dress mm-hmm. down it's like yes. kind of sloppy like you're expected every day to be looking pretty whereas for men it's like when they dress up it's like oh that's one nice. of my favorite things i we're just going all for it i don't wear any makeup like every single day i just show up mm-hmm. looking like this which is fine i just never Great, you're I, you are and i like i Personally, I did musicals in high school, and I used to wear full face of makeup. I hated it. Oh, it was bad for my skin. I just hated yeah. the way I looked. I it wasn't wait to good. Get it off. Yes, and I like my dressing up. Like when we do dances, or when I have like an interview mm-hmm. for a job or something, and I I'm doing a big deal. The most I'll put on is like mascara and like lip gloss. That's it, or whatever. Yep. And to me, that's like wow, I look so good, and that's perfect. But I am mm-hmm. totally okay. Yes. leaving another, the house yeah. mm-hmm. and leaving wherever, looking like not putting a single thing on my face. And I think when I was in high school. That was so, I don't say looked down upon, but like a lot of my friends are like going yes. out like old time being like, did you I, get this new yes. palette? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I could care less. Also, I don't want to spend money on that. Right. So it's just a thing where it's like, you honestly probably wouldn't notice. Mm-hmm. Like if I, I don't know, maybe it is noticeable, who knows. But it's such a common thing that you're expected to do yes. that mm-hmm. before leaving. But I'm like, I, also, I'm like, yeah. I could care. Then, I could care less. But also kudos to the women who are empowered. Yes, by who wake up too. and do yes. it's like, it's Power sort to of them. Like, that's why I love the, you know, the cheesy phrase, girls supporting girls. But like, it's true though. It really is true. Like to me, I'm like, you don't have to be super, you could really embrace your femininity or you could decide that femi- you, you define it differently. Exactly. And to me, it's like yeah. more power to you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, well, when I was younger, like I, I hate the fact that I came into high school in like the 2016 makeup yes. craze. See, that's, <laughs> no, but like that's when like, YouTube tutorials. Were that's when yes. I was like in the middle of it. 
So yes. I came in like 2014, yeah. but it was like that was all anybody cared about. My I head mean, just went to yeah. into the thick of it. <laughs> I mean, so I'm thankful for the fact that it taught me how to do my makeup. But right. I came to the point in high school where I would wake up at 6:30 in the morning and just, just do, yeah. do a full face makeup every day to the point where I would hate myself when I took off my makeup. Same. And I, the pandemic really helped because it started getting it started getting me comfortable with my own skin. Same. I started wearing less makeup, and to this day, I. I love makeup. Don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. I buy hundreds of dollars at Ulta like <laughs> a few times a month, but I, yeah. I love it. It's something I enjoy, but it's come to the point where like, I'm honestly, I come to the bubble most of the time in like just sweats and like literally no my, face and makeup. Yeah. But then like on a Friday, cause I'll have extra time. I'll actually take the time to dress up and I'm like, wow, like I love it. Like I love embracing that side of me, but I've recently only started getting like really dolled up, like one, when I feel like it, mm-hmm. two, like when I'm going to a nice event or something. See, and it makes yeah. me feel equally as nice. Like but, some days yeah, I'll that, wake up with like a nice hair day with no makeup and I'll be perfect. like, wow. Yeah. But that doesn't this. make non dolled up you any less. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. And, and I think too, I really can't wait till we get to a point in society where we stop commenting on people's looks. I like, was just going to say, yes. this leads into the whole topic of the good and there are no good comments about um, especially um, women's bodies. Yes. And mm-hmm. how Constantly under the microscope. Yes. And both in both directions. It's like, I know it's so it's so prevalent where like people will be the first thing people will say to you is that like you look nice or like mm-hmm. you lost Something weight or whatever. Blah, oh, blah, I blah. hate that exactly. when you haven't seen a family member. Yeah. In a and while. I'm like, again, it's like. You, I've never seen anybody greet a man that way. Nope. Being like, you're like, yeah, you look nice, you're dressed nice, but I've never heard anybody be like, wow, you look so good. You like, did you lose weight? Like, did yeah. you whatever? You look like you gained you muscle. Never, you never like lost muscle. You never hear that said to a man. No. I don't think I've ever heard it in my life, but it's always said to me. No, and like, I think it's body image is such a prevalent topic in today's society. Yeah. I feel like we're, yes. we're yes. pushing no, so No, but much today. I also feel like, like Morgan said, like, you come into high school, especially in high school and even middle school too, and that's the norm. Like, you have to conform to, like, whatever society. And, like, I argue this all the time where you see girls who are, like, 13. And I'm, like, I wouldn't even be walking out of the house wearing those things. And when I was 13, I was wearing, like, band t-shirts and, like, (laughs) you know, like, really bad-looking cut-off jeans. But, like, or shorts, whatever. And it's just, I think, amazes me how fast society changes in beauty standards where Mm -hmm. I read a whole article about how, like, businesses are actually, like, making clothes for young girls to seem like they are adults quote unquote ew that's so and like yes no well like it's like to like you know like when you're like a little a kid and you're like i can't wait to be like a grown-up whatever and so like instead of wearing your mom's clothes they make clothes for you that look like your mom's clothes and that's how like that's kind of is that not creepy i i guess I think it also, but maybe it also I'm like crazy. Maybe I'm thinking no, but it. I think the article focused on like how that's changing our sizing because oh. now they're making clothes for kids who are like a like a a kid's extra large is oh. like not really an extra large or how women's yeah. So it's right. like interesting. It's changing like the style of it, but it amazes me how fast like the internet has influenced things and what is a right. beauty or body yes, standard now. Right. It. Is, yeah. Well, we were even saying in, in my WGS class the other day about how men's sizing is literally based on measurements, but ours isn't. And it's always yes. the same. That's what I mean. Always you can go into same. any store, a 34 is a 34. I but can for go us, a 12 could be like a 6 or a 16. <laughs> That's why exactly. I hate shopping. 
because i can never i never know what i'm looking for and it really messes up your body confidence and i know like how morgan you were saying when you would do full face of makeup in high school the one day i didn't wear makeup i had a kid i have rosacea so i have like naturally Mm -hmm. red skin i have very beautiful thank you you are gorgeous i have naturally pink undertones which like i've learned Mm -hmm. to love i used to hate it but now i love it about myself and I remember this kid looked at me and he goes, you look like you just ran a marathon. Because <gasps> my cheeks were red. No. In high school? Ne- never went a day without wearing makeup since then. Like in high school. Until I realized, like Morgan said, like uh. it wasn't until college I really felt more liberated and felt so much more comfortable in my insecurities mm. and realized they were beautiful. But what made me so angry about that is like. I can't believe that. Right, like, oh you, my it, God. It, took, it cost him nothing to just shut up you know yeah like don't say don't say anything was it don't say it wasn't your place yeah like i just feel like and i've fallen into that trap too of like we inherently like comment on people's looks when we first see them yeah but i really wish we would stop doing that Mm -hmm. the compliments to my personality are 10 times better than any compliment you give me on my looks so i just again like there are so many like different issues with like how people view bodies and beauty standards nowadays mm-hmm. it's yes, just i know that i grew up as a ballet dancer oh but oh, that's I, a whole. I am fortunate enough that the owner of my studio i mean i grew up with her but like she i've never had a moment in there where i felt like degraded good because i've heard the nightmare stories of like dance teachers being like yes. i could see your lunch my mm-hmm. yeah my it's brutal i was I, never a dancer but yeah but i've heard i grew up with like the bodies on my team being very diverse right. mm-hmm. in oh, all good. aspects. So like my friend, maybe they weren't necessarily like stick thin, but like they were a beautiful ballet dancer mm-hmm. and my dance teacher never berated her for it. Good. Thank so God. I grew and up I, in a very I'm, healthy environment and I'm so thankful for that because yeah. I can't even imagine the body issues I would have if I, I grew up in a normal ballet. Yeah, yeah. Cause I, I played sports. I played field hockey for nine years and my biggest thing for so long was the amount of I all my strengths in my legs forever because mm-hmm. that's what it requires. Um, but there was such a thing where it was like I hated jean shopping because my thighs were so I don't say thick, but like yes, all of my muscles. I know thighs. what you mean. Yes. So mom, like yeah. it was like for a normal reason because I, I was literally training for a mm-hmm. sport and that's how my body was adjusting. It was fine. But it was like at that time when I was in high school, it was like that's not normal or accepted or you're like you're not supposed to have thick thighs whatever well, right back to beauty standards yeah change, constantly. and i was literally like and i i think for a while i struggled with it because i was like that's ridiculous whatever and it still stuck with me even now but i was like no it's literally like i could play any sport and like maybe if i play tennis my arms would be more toned be whatever about your shoulders exactly or, yeah. i was like it's so unreal to me that like i guess ballet is way more like dance is way more into it but i was like mm-hmm. just to have an idea of what to conform to and doing something i enjoy affects that yep. like again you would never hear anybody say maybe i guess in, in men's sports it's more about shaping up right but they never mm-hmm. care about like what you look like after or during you're playing a sport you know what i mean no. i don't know it's such a weird concept when you compare like think right. about that because men's and women's body differences is you're right it's a lot of men bulking up and mm-hmm. women slimming down yeah so it's like they deal with those issues yes it's just harder when women you also deal with the idea of makeup and like also i'm going to state the obvious of women are very much judged on their size of their boobs and butt. oh yeah yes and men there's really no also comparison yes, there we were talking in my capstone we're really going off right now mm-hmm. but um we were talking about we were actually talking about beauty standards and how it's changed through like decades and time whatever and how if we were to like pick one for today's day and age it's more about being quote-unquote fit 
like yeah. going to the gym and it's all about like you lift like weightlifting and like whatever and yeah having a butt and having like whatever and like it's I guess crazy to me because it's like literally a lot of it's just like naturally what you're born with like you can go to the yeah. gym and things may or yeah, may not change yeah. but the idea that so much meaning has been placed on that is like again how many other things are there to talk about about me or to value about me and it's focused on those two and then it and then it you get into like people wanting to change their bodies artificially mm-hmm. and like if you want to do that for yourself that's totally fine but, but not uh, for no very few cases will you ever find people changing their bodies because they wanted to yeah it's mm-hmm. because you want to change it to a societal standard and then you're also broaching well now we're seeing eating disorders becoming so much more common. I doubt that it's more common. I think it's just more talked about. It's now. more yeah. open. Yeah, Definitely. I think. Yeah, the and numbers, I think the like, idea of it know. with men too, like yeah. I, we, I, I don't want to say I wasn't aware of it, but it wasn't really an issue or brought to my attention until probably I got to college that it was like mm-hmm. a legitimate thing, and that's something that has to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just something. Again, it's something that like you wouldn't blatantly think of but it's there mm-hmm. and you have to pay attention to it i agree and i think you know this kind of sums up this whole thing beautifully of like we wouldn't be able to attack these topics until they're talked about mm-hmm. exactly. i think normalizing the conversations on these things is the first you know tackling the beast because it's really hard to solve issues first and foremost you need to admit they're there yeah so i i really think like you know I this has been my longest podcast and I'm grateful for it because we had some <laughs> really so amazing excited. conversations. Mm-hmm. But I will say if anyone is interested in these conversations, if you are at Wilkes, please consider a women's and gender studies yeah, minor. It's the best. If I you, can't recommend mm-hmm. it enough. If you don't take up the minor, please educate yourself in these topic areas. It mm-hmm. is so critical. Um, I mentioned, you know, if you are interested in discussing with any one of us, obviously mm-hmm. we are very open to these conversations. <laughs> yeah. So please feel free. Um talk to the people around you you know mm-hmm. care about things at the end of the day you know um do no harm to people dr Brasenio's doors always i was open. gonna say yes. email dr Brasenio. um if you are interested in more information on the minor dr jennifer thomas is the head of the department um you can also go on to wilkes.edu and look up the women's and gender studies minor to get more mm-hmm. information on it um if you're a prospective student if you're a current student um highly recommend do it so i really want to thank brie and morgan for coming on my podcast today thank you for having I us i loved it of course i really appreciated all the wonderful conversation here and um these conversations don't end here please continue to have these no matter where you are with the people you trust and you know make the world a better place at the end of the day absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah so thank you all for tuning in as always don't forget to keep it locked